Welcome to Blessed in This Mess. I'm your host, Lori Schlosser, and you're listening to episode number 15. Well, originally I had planned to share with you a recorded version of my presentation today. It is August 6th as I am recording this. I have been in Peoria, Illinois today at a JDRF community rally, largely existing of uh, an audience of newly diagnosed families in the type 1 diabetes world. But there were a number of seasoned warriors and their families attending as well. I thought I would record that that talk that I gave on building a support network. Uh, but I'm telling you, I was just so inspired by the people I spoke with today. I was there with Noah, our type one warrior, and my husband, Bill, and just an incredible group that I thought I might share my impressions after having attended that event. Um, I know we probably have a few new listeners to this episode from the Type 1 community, so I wanted to share some of my impressions around that event and then additionally encouragement for Type 1 families that I think is transferable to families dealing with other issues, chronic illnesses or extended sicknesses or some sort of disability. So much energy today around type 1 families. I just had to share it in a different way. So if you're up for a few minutes of reflection and encouragement, I invite you to listen in. Blessed in This Mess is a podcast to encourage and support family caregivers. If you are caring for someone you love through chronic illness and extended sickness or disability, you're in the right place. Family caregiving can be messy. It can be exhausting and isolating. But there are blessings to be found, even in the mess. I invite you to join me here every other week for some fresh perspective and simple reminders about the blessings in your role, about staying positive and preserving your health for the long run. Well, this was an incredible day today. I'm closing it out. It's pretty late in the evening as I have thought through and reflected on the faces, the names, the stories of the people that I interacted with today in Peoria, Illinois at a JDRF event to kind of rally community members for their um their walk in October, but also just to connect newly diagnosed families with families who have been living with type 1 diabetes for a while. And so for this event, um, we traveled up together. My family all traveled together. Um, My husband, Bill, kind of like kept a handle on all things uh, directional and promotional. He took a few pictures for me and and is always a great help. He didn't speak today, but Noah, our son, who is 24 and has lived with type 1 since he was 8, was on hand to share in the presentation about building 
having a support network and also just to interact with other other people who are new to the diabetes world. And it really was a wonderful day. I actually shared some thoughts around the concept of building a support network that reflected my conversation in episode 14, the last episode with Ashley Coker, who is the mom of a child newly diagnosed in 2020 with type 1. She and I had talked about the concept of building a support network, and I reiterated some of the ideas that we talked about in that episode, and I'll share those just very briefly with you in this episode, Uh, and you can certainly reflect uh, back to episode 14 for more detail. But then I also wanted to share some of my thoughts following my conversations with those in attendance today. There were just some spectacular people there with some great stories that I thought might be motivational for you, inspirational for you, but also the concepts transferable to you as a family caregiver or as someone who's living with a chronic illness or a disability. And so let's just begin with the concepts I shared around building a support network. The first idea, there are three that I'd like to really highlight and just really drive home one more time. The first is I really believe that the people I interact with as I work with the Central Illinois Type 1 support group specifically on a regular basis, I encourage to really use their medical team to the full advantage. That means if your endocrinology office has given you an after-hours number and suggested that you use it, I suggest that you do that. If you have questions after hours, don't hesitate to do that. And that applies to any specialty office that you may be working with. If they've given you a way to reach them and you have an issue that is important after hours, as a part of your support network, you really should take advantage of that. When you come across and interact with the staff on your medical team, you will find there are certain personalities that are so valuable to connect with. People in the, on that team that you just really find helpful for you. I would encourage you to really make the most of those relationships. Sometimes we don't think about that as we are working with the person that we love, but if you have a really great Um, nurse, a really great physician assistant, a really great pump trainer, or someone who trains on the durable medical equipment that you use, a social worker within your office that's been very valuable as you've interacted with them, really use those relationships. Take advantage of that connection, particularly around any kind of problem or transition that is kind of throwing you for a loop. In the type one world, sometimes those kinds of transitions happen like between elementary school and middle school or high school and college where you just feel like you have more questions and you could really use the help of your medical team, the people on your medical team. The second point that I shared had to do with finding the right kind of in-person support to help you. And that, first off, foremost, is probably your family. Um, And 
keeping the communication lines open, sharing if you are the primary caregiver, what you're learning as you go. Sometimes everybody can't learn everything, but you can share what you're learning with your immediate family, your husband, your children, your parents, so that everybody kind of understands how we're working together to help care for the person who is kind of our focal point. Um, But additionally, also sharing as much as you feel comfortable with, with friends of the family, extended family members, um, so that you kind of increase that safety bubble around the person that you're caring for. And I talked about the concept of creating a safety bubble. In the land of type one, as kids move through the school system, it's almost like you have to have a new safety bubble in the preschool time than you do in the elementary school time, middle school, high school, college, if they go, if your child goes or and beyond. And so in order to educate the people who are around your loved one in their days, you know, especially their school days, I think it's important that you think about creating a safety bubble, educating the most important people who will interact with your care receiver, whether that's the school nurse or a designated care aide. If you're in a long-term care facility with the person that you're caring for, you know who those primary people are who really need to kind of know your person. And you can share the nuances about their care, their personality, that kind of thing. So creating that in-person support. And then for the family caregiver and also for the person who is living with the chronic condition or disability, I think it's super important that a part of your in-person support be a very good listener. And I talked about today finding someone who listens to understand, not just to respond to you. Someone who is really a good listener. Because so many times, as the family caregiver or as the person dealing with a chronic condition, you just need to talk. You don't necessarily expect anyone to fix an issue that you're having, but you just need to be able to share it in an, with someone who will not judge you and who will just let you kind of walk it out and who will not tire of listening to you talk about it if you talk about it on more than one day or in more than one phone call or more than one text message, however you're able to connect. So another important piece of that in-person support is finding, I think, a really good listener if you're the family caregiver or the person living with a chronic issue or a disability. And then finally, The third area of suggestion around building a support network has to do with finding great online support. Today, I talked a lot about the Central Illinois Type 1 Support Group on Facebook, and that's a group that I have something to do with. We have an administrative team that keeps track of of the chatter that's happening there, but quality, trustworthy online support with people who understand kind of what you're dealing with. And so um, that is an area of Facebook involvement that I think is probably the most productive if you find really a really good online support group. I think that's 
extremely valuable. People who talk your talk and understand you, and also threads that you can read and learn from, from sources that are quality and credible. So that online support, and Ashley also talked about finding great online support. May not be Facebook, maybe great podcasts. I talked about today in the land of type one, I have some favorites. I have some favorites in senior care. I will probably go ahead and and uh, drop those into the show notes so that you can take a look at some of my favorite online support sources. Some of those are podcasts too. I also wanted to talk a little bit about the people that I came across today and the lessons that they remind me of because they are so inspiring, so encouraging. I met a little family of four, two little girls, blonde beautiful little girls, an eight-year-old and a six-year-old sisters, look very much alike. Mom and dad. Dad is a type one warrior. I did not know that until I had connected with the eight-year-old who I could see was wearing a continuous glucose monitor. And that's a dead giveaway. That's somebody who's managing blood sugar, right? And um, she very proudly told me what kind of equipment she was wearing and that she was a person who was living with type one. And then her six-year-old sister chimed in and said something like, and I have celiac. And And then she shared, and mama is lactose intolerant, and daddy is type 1 too, and we're all a team. And wow, powerful message in all of that. This is a family unit that's come together to support each other. And even though those girls are so tiny, they clearly get it that probably the most important piece of a support network in person is your immediate family. Now, I realize in conversations that I have in the type one world and that I had in senior care, not every family is closely knit. Sometimes you have friends that are like family, but man, there is so much power in understanding the love and commitment that translates into supporting family members who have something special that they're dealing with. There's also value in learning early or learning late that everybody struggles with something and everybody needs support from the people that are closest to them, the people that they love. And it's a beautiful thing, that value of team is a beautiful thing. And that's the reason why I believe it's so valuable to have your family walk for things like JDRF1 walk or for the Alzheimer's walk or the our walks around autism because that whole value of team is a beautiful thing. It creates a special kind of energy. I also interacted with another individual, I thought I was approaching a mom who was supporting a family with small children living with type 1. Turns out the mom is the type 1 warrior. She had a daughter with her who she explained to me, and she looked to be about 10 or 11, was her a great support to her around her type 1, a very supportive husband. And then he was pushing a stroller with a three or four-year-old son in it. This mom explained to me that she had been living with type 1 for 30 years, since 1992. 
And she had attended the event today in order to connect with other people living with type 1. That she, As she was growing up, she didn't know anyone else in her community with type 1. And after 30 years, she was wanting to connect with others who are living with type 1. I learned uh, later that she had lost her mom, and her mom had been her greatest supporter. And do you know that at that event, she met another lady her age who had just been diagnosed 18 months ago with type 1. And they began to talk and to connect with each other. And that is a beautiful thing. And what's the lesson in that? I think the lesson in that story is that it is never too late to start connecting or to begin connecting. And if you are newly supporting someone who is newly diagnosed with something, once you begin to recover or get your equilibrium from that initial diagnosis, it is a good time to begin to try to connect. It's never too late to do that. And I really saw the value and the beauty in that today. So powerful. And then finally, I met a number of young people today who are serving as ambassadors for JDRF. They were there with their families. They clearly have an energy around them because they know they are sharing what they are living for the good of others. Now, I had Noah with me, you know, my 24-year-old son, who is always such a trooper about being the visual aid when I speak anywhere and about talking to others and sharing his experience. But I'm telling you, today I met a 13-year-old. I met a 19-year-old. I met a 17-year-old. Boys and girls, young men and young women who have figured out that there is value in sharing your story. That has built a resilience in them that is just amazing to behold. And so I wanted to share with you on the podcast today that no matter your age, if you are a family caregiver, if you are a person living with a chronic illness, you have a powerful story of resilience, of getting it done every day, of the things that you have learned that are transferable and valuable in your journey that someone else needs to hear. As much as I need to share this podcast and you need to hear my voice, someone needs to hear your voice. And it doesn't have to be in a crowd like I did today. It doesn't have to be in front of a large group. It can be one-on-one. But your story of resilience and grit and compassion and perseverance and honesty and transparency is valuable. And so, friends, I would strongly encourage you to lean in as you listen to others and see if you can find a time to share that in order to lighten someone else's load. So, It's late, guys. I got to go. I've got to get some sleep. I've got other activities going on tomorrow that I need to be in good form for. But I I didn't want to let this day go without stopping and sharing and reminding you that your journey is valuable, that when you connect with others, it's a beautiful thing because we are all better together. 
Building a network, so important. Sharing your story, so important. JDRF Illinois, thank you for the opportunity today. Jen McDonald, you put on a tremendous event. It helped so many people in so many ways. So encouraging for me. I was so glad to be a part. That's all for today, folks. I'll see you next time.